0: When I had my first child, I wanted peace of mind, which is why I used Policy Genius to get term life insurance. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. And some options are 100% online and let you avoid unnecessary medical exams. The process was so simple. I filled out some information, I compared rates, and I spoke to their award winning agents all in a matter of minutes. And your work-life insurance policy may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. And the worst part is, it may not go with you if you leave your job. Policy Genius has no incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. And you can go get peace of mind by finding the right life insurance with Policy Genius. So head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes to see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. One of my favorite ways to invest is real estate, but not everyone wants to handle tenants and toilets. On this episode of the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to be talking about the great debate. Should you buy a house or should you rent a house? I'm your host, Andrew, founder of MasterMoney.co, and today on the Personal Finance Podcast, we are going to be talking about should you buy a house or should you rent a house? If you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram or TikTok at MasterMoneyCo, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to, and if you want to help out the show, leave a five-star rating, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well at Master Money on YouTube. So today, we have the long-awaited show a Buy versus Rent. And this is a major question that I get all of the time. And so we're going to talk through how to make the decision between should I buy a house or should I rent a house? And there's a number of factors you want to consider. And there's a number of things that people actually don't think about that we're going to talk about in this episode as well. But if you look at the metrics and you look at studies, according to one study, 90% of people think home ownership is the best path to living the American dream. And there was other Gallup polls that have been flying around all over the place that have surveyed people who think that buying real estate is their best long-term investment option with gold and stocks tied into second place. And there's one thing we all can't deny. For the majority of people, their greatest cost is their housing cost. And housing is one of the biggest decisions that we can make when it comes to building wealth because we have the big three. It's housing, food, and transportation. But housing usually takes the cake in most people's budgets as their most expensive thing. So you may be asking yourself a bunch of questions. Should I rent for flexibility? Should I buy a house that suits some of my needs, but I'm sacrificing some of my wants? Should I buy a house with all my wants at a higher price? Is it actually better to buy over rent? And you can look at some of the common arguments. A lot of people say, well, I'm sick of throwing my money away on rent. Or buying is always better than renting. Or your home is the biggest investment that you can make. Now, there's a number of things that I want you to think about as we go through this episode. Just because for the longest time, I'm sure a lot of you have Parents or grandparents who have told you your biggest asset is your house. And let me tell you right now, we're going to we're going to debunk that myth really quick and you're going to see exactly why here shortly. But you need to understand that you don't want to just listen to conventional wisdom. What you want to do is run the numbers on everything when it comes to your personal finances, because the only way to find the real answer is to run the numbers. Now, there's a number of factors that we're going to be talking about on whether you should buy or rent a house, including your specific situation because it's very situational. So understanding that you need to think through this logically, but then also think through what you truly value is how I want you to listen to this episode. So before we deep dive into this episode, there's a big thing that I want you to understand. Should you buy or should you rent is the wrong question to be asking because the real question is, how much money are you spending on housing? See, that's the real question that you need to be answering because the amount that you're spending on housing is the biggest factor when it comes to some of your wealth-building ability because if you spend too much money on housing, if you are house poor, you are never going to be able to build wealth. You could be renting a penthouse for $5,000 a month or you could be buying a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house for $1,500 a month and in that case, it would be much better just to buy the house and invest the difference or you could also buy a house with way too many bedrooms that you don't need That costs you five grand a month, or you could be renting a house with roommates for just a couple hundred bucks a month. And in that situation, you'd be better off renting and investing the difference, specifically if you want to build wealth in the long run. So it doesn't mean that buying or renting could be better in either situation because it absolutely could. It might be better to buy in your situation. It might be better to rent in your situation. It's a very specific thing. So the most important thing you want to be asking yourself is, am I hitting my affordability Metric. So, what's an affordability metric? So, this is the number that you need to have in place. So, you know, can I actually afford this house? This is the bigger question to be asking yourself Can I actually afford this? Because if you can afford it, go ahead and buy something where your mortgage is $50,000 a month. If you can afford it, there is no issues here. But at the same time, if you're spending too much money on your housing, you're going to put yourself in a very bad situation. If there's some sort of economic downturn and you already spent way too much on housing and now you're paying a mortgage that is too expensive. And at the same time, you're underwater on that investment. You got yourself in a world of trouble. And so that is why you got to understand how much can I spend on housing? So the number we talk about here at Master Money, the absolute maximum to spend on housing is 30% of your net income. Now, net is the key principle here because 30% of your net income, and that's typically for people who are in more expensive areas. Now, people in maybe San Francisco or Silicon Valley or New York City, Might be scoffing at me even saying that, but trying to get it down to 30% if you're in an expensive city, and if you're not in an expensive city, if you're just in a normal city, it needs to be 25% or below. Now, housing costs are really expensive at the time I'm recording this, so that does sound drastic for a lot of people, but let me tell you something. If you can get it down to that number, then you should have no problem investing at least 20% of your income. So making sure you're hitting that affordability metric, the maximum 30%, but getting closer to 25, and if you wanna achieve fire as fast as humanly possible, getting closer to that 20% range is where you want to be. So let me tell you, if you're spending more than 30% on housing, you are going to have a hard time building wealth in the long run so if you're in that situation you're spending too much money on housing then what you want to do is flip the script and figure out a way to lower your housing cost there's things you can do like house hacking for example where you live in one unit and you rent out the other unit or if you're renting get a roommate but reducing that housing cost so that you can afford your housing is incredibly important now let's dive deeper on should you buy or should you rent Now, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna compare the monthly cost between buying a house and then renting a house. So the monthly cost of renting a house is pretty simple. It's just the cost that you pay in rent. Now, you may have some additional fees like renter's insurance or if you have to pay for parking or storage fees because you don't have enough storage. Any of those items could be additional costs to renting, but for the most part, your main cost is just making sure you pay your rent. Now, there are some specialized leases now where the first $200 of repairs fall on the tenant. Try to avoid leases like that if you're a renter. And if you're a landlord, if you can have those leases in place, it's a great situation for you. But making sure that your rent is the majority of your cost in addition to your renter's insurance is something that I would definitely make sure that your lease is locked in it. Now, let's look at the cost of owning a house because they're drastically different than renting a house. Owning a house has a ton of costs. It's a very costly endeavor to own a house. And it costs a lot of time, too, to upkeep a house. So both of those things combined is really a very costly affair here. So the first thing you want to look at is the purchase cost. So when you purchase a house, you have to put a down payment on the house. So that down payment also has something which is called opportunity cost. Now, if you've never heard of the concept of opportunity cost, that means, hey, if I put $20,000 down on a house, I'm also losing out on the opportunity to invest that $20,000 in maybe a real estate investment or in the stock market or buying a boring business. Any of those options I'm losing out on. you got the down payment cost, then you got that opportunity cost. In addition, you also have closing costs when you buy a house, especially if you get a mortgage. Now, if you pay cash, you're not going to have these closing costs, but let's get real. The amount of people that pay cash for their house are Few and far between because it's not the best decision for your money to pay cash for a house because interest rates are so low that you can make more money in the market typically, especially in the long run. So the closing costs on your house are a sunk cost. You're going to lose that money right when you do that. That's money you're paying right out of your pocket. And closing costs on a house are not cheap. It's usually about 3% of the purchase price, and sometimes it could be even higher depending on where you live. So making sure you take that into account is incredibly important because closing costs are not cheap, okay? Then we get into some costs of owning a home. Now, one of the biggest costs that you are ever going to have is your mortgage interest payment. Your mortgage has two costs. It has your principal payment, which is the amount of money that you're actually paying down for the purchase price of the house. So if you buy a house for $300,000, every dollar that you put towards your principal, brings down that $300,000 that you owe a little bit each month. But you also have the interest payment, which in the first seven years is the majority of your mortgage payment. See, banks front load the interest payment because they know most people move within seven years. So they put all the interest up front so that you're paying the majority of it up front. So your interest payment is absolutely massive over the course of a 30-year loan. And this is really where I want you guys to hone in on because the interest payment is the majority of costs. And there's some other costs that are significant as well we'll talk about, but the interest payment is the majority. So let's say you have a $400,000 house with a 30-year mortgage. If you had a $400,000 house, you would pay an additional $207,000 in interest. And that's just with a minor 3% interest rate on your loan. A $200,000 house, you pay an additional $103,000 in interest. A $300,000 house, $155,000 in interest. A $500,000 house, in interest. And if you had a $700,000 house, it'd be $362,000 in interest. Interest is a massive thing when it comes into play. So think about in the 1980s, the interest rates were at 10%. Those numbers would be astronomical now. So, it through your interest rate, your interest rate matters. And this is why we talk about making sure that you have a good credit score because the difference between 1% is absolutely massive when it comes to buying a house. And it's a six-figure decision to make sure that your credit score is in the right place. Now, additional costs that you have when you own a house are taxes. So taxes are property taxes that you have to pay every single year. And there's no way out of taxes. Even when you pay off your house, you're always gonna have that tax expense. So if your taxes are $8,000 a year, you're still gonna have to pay a significant chunk of money just to make sure and maintain those taxes. Capital expenditures are another expense. So this is the big stuff. So things like your roof going out. You have to replace a roof. Roofs only last 20 to 30 years. Things like replacing your air conditioner or your heater. Maybe replacing your driveway or fixing any major thing inside of your house. Then there's maintenance. you got to maintain things. If the sink has an issue, if you need a new toilet, replacing appliances, all of these different things are costs that you will have to incur to maintain the property. Doing landscaping, the weekly lawn care. If you have a pool, the weekly pool care. All of these things are maintenance costs that you have to incur when you own a house. Then there's updates. So any updates or upgrades that you want and you have to do these upgrades are going to be expensive. So for example, we built a house a couple years ago and we're still doing upgrades to the house even though we built a brand new house because we're adding things that we want to the house over time. And it can get very expensive. Trust me, I know how expensive it can get to do these upgrades over time all the time. And then lastly, you have realtor fees. So realtor fees are something that when you sell a house, you have to pay a realtor unless you do a FISBO, a for sale by owner, you have to pay a realtor at least 4 to 6% within that range. And so that's a significant cost that you can incur when you sell the house. I mean, think about that for a second. Every 100 grand that you sell a house for is $6,000 that you're paying to the realtor. So you got to think through that. And when you sell the house, you have a bunch of additional closing costs as well. So closing costs in the front end, closing costs in the back end. So, all of these costs are put into play where if you're just renting a house, you just have your rent to pay, okay? So, we have all these costs out there, but what's the real numbers? What does it actually cost for me to own this house? Well, your boy did a little bit of math and we ran a scenario to show some ROI on your time and how much money you can make. So, let me give you some of the numbers. If you bought a house in the 1980s with that interest rate in the 1980s and you did a little bit of a refinance so that you can lower that interest rate over time, we did some averages over the course of this. So, in 1989, If you bought a house for $100,000, the average price of the house, like a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, the national average was somewhere around $100,000. So we ran the scenario for $100,000. And then in today's dollars, that same house would be worth about $325,000. So this house is more than tripled in value. So this is a great investment, right? This is what most people think. Okay, I've had this house for this amount of time. It's more than tripled in value. This is absolutely amazing. And most people look at those numbers and their eyes turn into cartoon dollar signs. Because they think, oh, this is amazing. I gotta buy a house then because the appreciation is there. And let me tell you something. The appreciation can be something that's absolutely amazing. Like for example, if you bought a house within the last five to six years, your house is probably appreciated significantly. That was probably a good decision at this point in time right now as we're talking. But let's dig into the costs and say over the long run, over the course of 30 years, is it actually a good investment? So you had mortgage payments on that house of $264,000 because 164000 was interest payments because the interest rates in 1989 were much higher than they are now. So you can look at that and say, hey, these interest rates are much higher. Now before, at the beginning of the show, we talked about interest rates for a 3% interest rate. You can see the difference. Now, if your interest rate adjusts or anything like that, that's also something that you can see. But at year 20, we did a refi to show what the difference would be if you actually refinanced your house. So 164000 went to interest just on this alone. $264,000 of mortgage payments. $130,000 over the course of 30 years went to improvements because if you want to resell a house and you bought a house in 1989, you can't keep your shaggy carpet, your wood panel walls, and your run DMC record player in the middle of the living room. You have to be able to update your house to get that resale value. Otherwise, you're not getting that resale value. You're going to be selling your house for one hundred and fifty dollars instead of $325,000. Then you got your insurance. And you have to pay insurance on your house. That's 30,000 dollars over the course of those years. Now it would be even more. It'd be double that. I pay 2,000 dollars a year on home insurance. So mine would be 60,000 over the course of those 30 years now. Then you have property taxes of 60,000 dollars. Mine would be way more than that now. According to this time frame, there'd be about 60,000 dollars. Then you have realtor fees of another 20,000 dollars. Now if you add all of those up, over that course of time, you're actually at. And this is absolutely crazy. And when I ran the numbers, I didn't believe this. But this is actually what it is. You're at a negative return. In fact, it's worse than just leaving cash in the bank within this scenario. And so this is something that you want to think through. Now, this is in no way telling you not to buy a house because your boy owns a house. I've owned a house since I've been married. This is in no way telling you that because I believe in homeownership, but I believe in it for different things than for financial reasons. If you want to own a house, own a house. Ball out, own a house. But just understand your house is not an investment. Your house is not an investment. Is it an asset? Yes. Is it an investment? No. The reason why I say is it an asset, because you can sell it and make money on it if you want to. Right now, if you bought a house three years ago and you sold it today, you would make money. But don't use your house as a primary asset. Because... There's a lot of expenses associated with owning a house. There's a ton of things that come into play. And we're going to talk about you know when should you own a house, when should you not own a house, when is it probably not the best decision to own a house. But I want you to think through some of this because most people in their heads have it that a house is an amazing investment. And it's absolutely not. Go run the numbers. Go look at the numbers and see how much money would you spend year over year. If you own a house right now, go through and say, hey, How much have I spent on improvements? How much have I spent on maintenance? How much have I spent in insurance every single year? How much have I spent in taxes? And go through those numbers because running these numbers is so incredibly important. Now, let me give you an example because I bought a house in 2014 that appreciated 400% by the time I sold it. Now, I got lucky to be in one of the biggest housing booms that we've seen in a very long time when I bought the house. And then when I sold the house, so for me, it was a good investment, but it was a lucky investment because the timing of when I bought it and when I sold it, and then I utilized that money to upgrade into another house. So really that money went into another house that I'm going to live in for a very long time. And then that investment is going to be something where we're sinking a ton of cash into the new house. So just understanding, I understand that that money was then funneled into my next house and then funneling that into the next house means that I'm just going to be spending more money on the larger house. So this is just thinking through this and understanding this is so incredibly important. Now the numbers completely flip-flop if you buy a house for investment purposes because now what is happening is your tenant is getting up every single day, they're paying those interest payments, they're paying those mortgage payments, they're paying the maintenance costs, and in addition, you're getting cash flow on top of that. So the appreciation is absolutely worth it for you in an investment property because somebody else is paying your bills for you and growing that money for you. But when it comes to your own personal residence, it's not a great investment. So next, let's jump into when should you buy and when should you rent. Last year, I was not tracking my finances like I should. And truthfully, it's because I had not found an easy way to automate that process. Then I found a tool called Monarch Money, which changed that for me because it made it so incredibly easy. I synced my accounts, and in one click, it created a budget for me based on my past spending habits. And Monarch is a top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get a 30-day extended free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash PFP and Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product and they have tools that allow you to seamlessly collaborate with your partner and after trying Monarch for myself i understand why it's a top rated personal finance app and right now listeners of this show will get an extended 30 day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/pfp that's m o n a r c h m o n e y.com/pfp for your extended 30 day free trial we're driven by the search for better Some of my favorite memories over summer is going on vacation with the family. But summer fun can get expensive. And when you have financial goals, you need to decide what's worth it and what you value. And a Chime checking account can help you reach your financial goals while still enjoying summer. So take back your finances with features like SpotMe, which is a no-fee overdraft protection, or you can get paid up to 2 days early with direct deposit. And you can learn more at chime.com/pfp they have no monthly fees or maintenance fees and over 60,000 fee fee-free atms so live it up this summer and make progress towards your financial goals with chime and you can open your account in minutes at chime.com pfp that's chime.com pfp chime feels like progress banking services and debit card provided by the bank corp bank na or stride bank na members fdic SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Boosts are available to eligible Chime members enrolled in SpotMe and are subject to monthly limits. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com/disclosures for details. The key to winning in any business is making sure you have the right business partner. An example is Procter and Gamble or Ben & Jerry. But what about the perfect partners when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify That's shopify.com slash PFP. Okay, so now that we've talked about the fact that your house really isn't that great of an asset, there's still some times that you want to buy a house. Most people strive to be homeowners, not everybody, but a lot of people do strive to be homeowners. So if you strive to be homeowners, there's a number of reasons why you should buy a house. And the first one, and the key to buying a house, is making sure you're staying in the house for longer than seven to 10 years. Because if you stay in a house for less than seven to 10 years, All you're going to be doing is paying interest on your mortgage payment. But in addition, if you stay in a house for less than seven to 10 years and there's a downturn, you are putting yourself at risk because the housing market ebbs and flows. And historically, over the long term, historically, recessions come every 10 to 12 years. So if you look at those numbers and say, hey, I'm going to buy a house and then there's a downturn two years later. Well, if you sell it three years after that downturn in five years, you're going to probably be at break even or a loss. So you want to hold on to that house for a longer period of time for a number of different reasons. But the biggest reason is you want to make sure that you at least stay there so that you don't pay all interest on your mortgage and your principal pay down. But in addition, so that you can make sure that you are safe if a recession hits. Now, another big factor to understand is that if you own a house for less than two years and you sell that house, say you buy a house and you're like, I don't like this anymore. I'm gonna move because I'm gonna go get a different job at a different state. If you do that, then any money that you make on that sale of that house is going to be taxed. Now, any money after those two years, $500,000 or less will not be taxed that you make on that money. So not paying taxes is a massive thing when you sell a house. So making sure that you at least at the very bare minimum stay two years. But what I'm telling you is to stay seven to 10 years is the biggest factor to come into play. Or the second thing is if you're interested in house hacking where you're gonna live in one unit like a duplex or a triplex or a quadplex and then rent out the other units, then it makes sense to buy in that situation because your tenants, it's an investment that your tenants are actually paying for your housing situation. So if you're interested in house hacking, which I think is the very best thing to do when you get started investing and we have an episode on it. So check it out. I'll link it down below. But if you're interested in that, then I would absolutely do that in a harpy or if you want to buy a house, you want to make sure that you have a stable job and income. If you're at an entry level job, you just got started or you're at a startup and you don't know what's going to happen. It wouldn't be as good of a decision to buy a house in those situations. You want to make sure you have a stable income and then you want to try to diversify your income as well. So that if anything happens, you have that emergency fund in place so you can keep up with your mortgage and not have any issues with your house. And the biggest factor, the next one, is can you actually afford the house? Does it fall within the 30% or less range of your net income. And another factor to consider is if the home brings you value and you can afford the house, and it really does bring you value because a lot of people value their house. They spend a lot of time there. If you work from home, you spend a whole lot of time there. So a lot of people value their house and it brings them joy. And if that brings you joy, more power to you because that's what money is there to do. Money is there to bring joy into your life and so that you can spend it on things that bring you value. So if that's you, ball out, my friend. Under 30% net, of course. Or if you're at a time where you're willing to stay longer and rents are really high, and in some situations, and especially right now, rents are higher than owning a house. And if that's the case, then you may want to consider that. If you're going to stay in that place for a long term and you can afford it within that 30% range, then you can consider that as well. Or if you can find a house and you're going to stay there a shorter period of time than that seven to 10 years, but you want to get started in real estate investing and that house is going to cash flow after you leave, then you can consider that as well. So this are just a number of reasons why you want to buy a house. If you're going to stay in some place for a very long time, you know you're not leaving, then it's definitely a consideration. But there's also a bunch of perks to renting. And so the thing about renting, and we haven't talked about this yet, but the thing about renting is you have no maintenance costs or repair bills. So if your roof starts leaking, you can just call up the landlord and say, hey, my roof's leaking, come fix it, and they have to come fix it. Or if your toilet explodes all over the place, you just call your landlord and say, hey, my toilet's exploding all over the place. You need to come fix it and clean it up. And they're going to come and fix it and clean it up. It's not your cost. It's not your responsibility. All you're paying is your rent. Another thing is you have access to amenities. If you live in an apartment complex or something like that, you get some additional amenities. You don't have any real estate taxes. So you don't have to pay taxes every single year, that fixed cost of taxes that you would always have to pay. So this is the thing where people are saying, renting is throwing money away. It's not always the case because you still have to pay taxes on your money. Like where I live now, our taxes are very high. So I have to pay those taxes for a very long time, which can be equivalent to some people's rent. So making sure that you think through that and you don't have any real estate taxes when you're renting. You have no down payment when you're renting, except for your first, last, and security potentially, which is gonna be much less than a down payment on a house. You have more flexibility. And this is the biggest one and one of the reasons I love to rent is because you have way more flexibility with what you wanna do. Grant Cardone, if you've ever heard of Grant Cardone, he's a real estate investor and does a bunch of other things. He wrote the book called 10X as well. And he is a multi-multi-millionaire, could be getting close to a billion. And he does not own a house. He's flexible about going all over the place. Now, the only houses that he owns are things that are rental properties and things like that. And he talks about that all the time. Number six is you have less stress about your property decreasing in a recession. So there's less stress involved in that situation. Now, the stress you would have is, is my landlord gonna increase my rent? That is something that is a downside that can be very stressful because you don't have that control. So not having that control is something that people hate and if you ha- are in that situation, then I would consider buying over renting. Then you have your fixed rent amount but it's not always fixed but if you sign it for longer periods of time, maybe you sign a lease for two or three years, then you're gonna have a fixed rent amount over the course of that time frame. You have lower insurance costs because renter's insurance is much less than homeowner's insurance and you have potentially lower utility costs depending on the type of house that you live in. So all of these are things that you want to consider as benefits to renting a house. And there's a bunch of other things as well. But what kind of situation should you rent a house? Well, if you don't know how long you're going to live in a certain place, or you're just new to a city, I would at least rent for a year or two to figure out what areas that you like. If you're new to an area, figure out what you like. And if you don't know if you're staying somewhere long-term, maybe you just graduated from college. You moved back to your hometown. And you don't really know if you're going to stay there. Maybe you want to go live in LA or New York City or somewhere else and you want to try to build your career in some other places. Well, buying a house would not be the best decision for you if you're going to leave in a year or two, or if you enjoy that flexibility. If you enjoy that flexibility to rent because you can live from place to place, you can move downtown, then you can move out in the country the next year, then you can move in the suburbs the year after that. If you love that flexibility, you can move state to state, it doesn't matter, then I would consider renting. And if you're not sure if you want to settle down in a certain area, you're just not positive that's what you're going to do, then I would also consider renting because The long term is when you want to buy a house. The short term is when you want to rent a house. That's the easiest way to put this because understanding that and making sure you understand that is going to be one of your biggest benefits when it comes to this debate. Now, the one last thing that I want to mention before we wrap this episode up is that a lot of people have a majority of their net worth tied up in their house, and you do not want to do that. If you want to build wealth, if you want to be a wealth creator, which is what we teach here then you wanna make sure that you have more wealth built up in your brokerage account than you do in your house. Now, when you're first starting out, if you buy a house, say you just got married and you're trying to build up your brokerage account, that's not gonna be possible for every single person. But over time, you wanna make sure you're focusing your net worth on building it up in investments because those are gonna grow so much faster than the value of your house will because of those additional costs that come into play with your house. In addition, you wanna increase your assets as well. So if you're interested in real estate investing, like we just talked about at the top, The numbers completely flip from what I'm talking about. This is not about real estate. This is about residential housing, the house that you live in. And the other thing is if houses bring you value, because I've bought a house and I will continue to buy houses for the rest of my life because it brings me value to own my home. Brings me value to customize the way my home looks. I can do whatever I want. I have that flexibility. That brings me joy. That brings me value. So if that brings you value, then absolutely homeownership is an amazing journey for you to have. If you want to, set roots with you and your family, you want to build that generational wealth, maybe you want to hand down that property to your children, then go all in on buying a house. But making sure that you can afford it, making sure that you're going to stay long-term are the keys to buying a house. So I hope you guys learned a ton about the buy versus rent debate. In the future, we'll do another episode of buying versus renting in a really hot volatile market like we're in now. But I wanted to set the baseline for you so you guys understood exactly What's going on with the buy versus rent debate? Now, if you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram at MastermoneyCo and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to. And if you want to help out the show, leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and we will see you on the next episode.